Here's to the creative ones, the daydreamers and romantics, the dream makers, the risk takers, the fierce movers and the shakers, the mothers busting out of cubicles to make family life more beautiful. They are the happy ones, the gutsy ones who venture to a better future. They are the smarter ones who stop procrastination. They are the brighter ones armed with education. And while you may question their reality, call them pipe dreamers and irresponsible, their inner strength is powerful, which makes their drive unstoppable. And while some may see them as just creative or hopelessly romantic, we see passion. Because the people who are passionate enough to dream they can love their life are the ones who do. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Longevity Podcast. And today we have an incredible interview again with the wonderfully talented, the incomparable member of the New Power Generation and also solo recording artist, Alisa Fiorillo. Hey! Thanks for joining us, Alisa. Oh, good morning. I fell good down morning. the stairs today. I've right. had a great day. <laughs> I'm all good morning from wonderful Las Vegas you're at, right? Uh, I'm telling you, it's beautiful Hi. out. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so let's just get started. So tell us, when did you start getting into music or singing? Well, I was very young. I used to uh, go on my windowsill in my house with an actual cup because it had like reverb when you'd sing into it. It felt like a microphone mm -hmm. and I'd draw the curtains and I'd open them up and I'd just be like, I'm here and entertain all the, the house and the guests and the dogs and uh and then it went from there. I went to on this local television show in Philadelphia called the Al Albert Showcase. And I begged my parents to be on that show. So I learned how to sing in front of a camera and, you know, work a microphone. And um, and then I started doing like theater stuff. So I ended up on Broadway at 15 and then um, ended up moving to California when the Broadway show closed. And I was picked to be on Star Search. Out of 40,000 kids, I auditioned and I was picked with three other people to sing. So I went on Star Search and and then I got a record deal and then the rest was history. <laughs> and who was your first record deal with? What label? First Chrysalis Records. And they had Pat Benatar, Huey Lewis and uh, Living in a Box Living. Remember them? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And Sinead O'Connor. Um, so it was a more of a rock label and mm -hmm. uh, they really didn't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. But the man that signed me was Ron Fair, who has the same birthday as me. Um, and he signed Christina Aguilera and uh, Pussycat Dolls. He did that show on TV mm -hmm. and we uh, we hit it off. I played the piano and sang a song I wrote and he asked me to be uh, on the label. And so it's funny to watch how his career kept going after that. And uh, he ended up signing Christina Aguilera. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. And you had, was it three solo albums on Chrysalis? Is that correct? I had one with Jellybean Benitez, which was Who Found Who, which was a top 10 dance hit. Um, mm -hmm. And then I went on to make my first solo album, which was just, just titled Elisa Fiorello. Mm -hmm. And then my second album is when I went to Minnesota to work at Paisley Park with David Z. Um, and we started working and that's when I met Prince. 
That was this album, correct? That was I Am. Yes, it was. Nice. The girls getting over. Right. And how how was that? Um, it was interesting. It was uh, I was working with David Z, and we were getting the whole album together. And one day I went to the restroom, and I came back, and Prince was in the control booth um, listening to my vocal. So I walked in, and he's like, "Is that you?" And I said, "Yes." And I'm like, "That's Prince." So he said, well, I'd like you to go in and, and show me what you do. So I was like, okay, he doesn't believe that that's me on the recording. So I went in and I sang and he stopped me halfway and he's like, all right, meet me in Studio B. So I followed him over to Studio B and he had me breathing. I thought I, thought, I was like, okay, you said I was a good singer and you want me to breathe? <laughs> so he made me breathe on uh, the Party Man remix for his Batman uh, record he was working on at the time. And I got to meet Kim Bassinger and, you know, she was hanging out at the studio and making him popcorn. And and it was a, a trippy experience because I, I wasn't a huge Prince fan at the time. So I was I was a little bit taken, but not like, oh, my God, it's Prince, you know. <laughs> so he, he liked that. He liked that I I was just kind of treating him like one of the guy, you know, one of the guys I'd punch him in the arm with my Italian mannerisms talking with my hands and and he'd say, why you always hit me? And I'm like, I'm Italian. <laughs> I'm going to hit you. <laughs> so it was very cool. And then uh, then he started coming to the studio all the time and just bringing songs and saying, why don't you try this one or why don't you write some music and I'll I'll grade it. And one day I came in with the lyrics for On the Way Up and he took the paper and he's looking at it and he gets a red pen and he puts an F on it and he hands it back to me. And I'm like, what do you mean F? <laughs> you know, he was just playing. He's like, no, it's good. We'll put some music to it. Like, okay. So Levi Caesar started putting some music to it and Prince came in. And so we co-wrote my first single on that record together. So this one, right? On the way up. Yeah. <laughs> you have all my records, Richard. You know I do. Yeah, you are you awesome. Funny. I love I you. I remember seeing you perform On the Way Up on Arsenio Hall show. Yes, that was interesting. Um, Prince had actually recorded his band, uh, Michael Bland, um, Tommy Bar Barella, and like all the band at the time that he was using. And he recorded what I should do. He made a medley for me of On the Way Up and Ooh, This I Need and Love's No Fun, which we did as a, as a medley. So he said, I want your band to rehearse and make a cassette tape and send it back to me and let me know how they, how they play it. If they can, if they can beat this, it was like, he was challenging us to see if my band could live up to his. <laughs> sure enough, I had a funky band and they did it. <laughs> we sent the tape back and he's like, Oh, okay. It's all, it's good. <laughs> so we went on and, and uh, he wanted me to play piano. He said, you must play piano. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so stressed out with piano. Cause when I play, I play all from feel. So if I close my eyes a little too long and I move a little to the right and my ha hands go with it, I'm screwed. Like I'd be playing all the wrong chords and then I wouldn't know how to get back. So that was a very stressful moment in my career. <laughs> but he's like, you need to play piano. I'm like, okay. So I did. And, uh, and the rest was history. And then we, and we were only supposed to sing the songs and then 
not have an interview, but Arsenio was so impressed with us landing on his couch, which was my choreographer Marvin Columbus's bright idea, which worked great. He's like, you just took over my couch, you know? So he sat down and he's like, let's have an interview. We have some time. I'm like, really? And I hated interviews. I had this flashback from an interview I did when I was 12 for this arthritis telethon. And I, I was, it was Kevin Dobson from uh, Dynasty or, or Knott's Landing. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He was an actor with curly hair. And he was interviewing me and I was 11. And all I thought I was doing was singing a song and that was it. And he comes up to me after the song and I'm like, oh my God, he's going to interview me. And he's like, so what do you, what do you think about arthritis? I'm like 11, right? And I'm like, wow, yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> then he's like, do you have any friends or family that might have arthritis too? And I'm like, yeah, my aunt in California. And I'm like, that's all I'd say. And then he said, well, do you want to tell him like call in and send some money? And I went, yeah, call in and send some money. <laughs> so embarrassing. So I was like scared to death when Arsenio said, we're having an interview now. I'm like, I'm not prepared. So, but it turned out great. And at the end, he met my mom and my brother in the audience and he shook their hand. And I was like, oh my God, Arsenio, you have the longest fingers of all time. He shook my (laughs) hand and like his fingers were up here. (laughs) And then he asked me out on a date. But you're also very tiny as well. People may not know, but so, you're very petite. <laughs> I, am, I am petite, yeah. And I think I think I might have reminded him a little of Paula Abdul, and I think she had <laughs> broken his heart at the time. So he kind of asked me out on a date, and I declined because I had a boyfriend. So, but yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting time. <laughs> so after after you did um, Arsenio Hall, uh, let's fast forward. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened? Well, we we did the On The Way Up video. And then after that, the record company didn't want to make another video. And the record company was kind of folding. So I I remember Prince asked me, he's like, I want you to have a meeting with uh, Warner Brothers. And I said, really? Okay. So I was thinking, you know, great. Benny Medina sat down in the office, thought it was going to be offering me a deal. And it ended up that he actually had Benny ask me if I would go with Paisley Park. Mm. And at the time, I had seen that Paisley Park was kind of not doing, they were doing worse than Chrysalis was. So I thought, yeah, that's not a good move business-wise. I, so I told him no. And uh, I'm sure he wasn't thrilled about that, but I was you know, thinking of my career. And, you know, at the time I thought I had all these opportunities coming up, blocking down my door. Um, And you may have, so you may have um, blocked a blessing possibly during that meeting. Possibly, possibly. But, and then I eventually got signed uh, by A&M Records and I did an entire album with a guy named Peter Chud- Peter Bonetta and Rick Chudikoff, and they had produced uh, Smokey Robinson Just to See Her album and won a Grammy with it. So they were great, great producers. We did a whole record of like a Celine kind of record. Mm-hmm. And the record company didn't want to put it out because at the time, um, uh, Cheryl Crow and like all this alternative was like taking over the airwaves. Mm. So they were afraid to bring it to radio because nobody was playing that type of music and it wasn't selling and it wasn't doing well. So they basically just canned the whole project and it's the masters sat and collected dust and all those great recordings I did just 
are sitting on a shelf. And that was the end wow. of the record career. So let's fast forward. You were in Vegas performing, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. When you got a magic call. Yeah, well, I was, I, I had moved here. Uh, I had done some background singing, which uh, kind of got me, introduced me to my husband. I, I sang backgrounds for Savage Garden. I did that for about a year. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to Vegas, it was because I wanted to have a baby. I wanted to get married and I just wanted to sing in Vegas. So I was like, that's my goal. Um, I ended up getting here. The singing didn't happen. I got pregnant and nobody hired me because I had a pregnant belly. <laughs> and then when I got unpregnant, it was hard to get the belly weight off. So then it was very hard to get a gig. And a friend of mine here gave me a gig and I started singing on the weekends. And in the daytime, I was actually working at my daughter's preschool, flipping mm. chicken nuggets and mm. cleaning kitchens. I felt like Cinderella. It was like, how did my life get here? And uh, it was during that time while I was in the kitchen that I had posted a YouTube clip to try to get some jazz gigs in town. And I had done a gig a week prior <clears throat> and the sound man for that gig had been talking about Paisley Park. And I overheard him and I said, hmm, I, I know Paisley Park. I used to work there. He's like, oh, oh, I'll have to tell Prince I saw you. I'm like, yeah, tell him I said hi. So like a week later, he had looked up my YouTube clip and he actually called me up while I'm in the kitchen cooking chicken. And uh, I said, can I call you later? <laughs> and so I did. And I explained to him that I was married and I had a child and I was trying to find work. And he said, let's work together. I would love to work with you again. And I said, that would be wonderful. So that's how it kind of started back again after 20 years. Nice. So let's fast forward a little bit more. Okay. Um, I met you in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> it was incredible. I got to watch you perform with um, Prince's band, the MPG, and you guys were a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. And that's an understatement. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, Shelby, and Liv Warfield on stage together were absolutely incredible you know, and um anybody that attended any of those concerts or saw any of the shows or performances on tv would, would know as well right um we let's, were... share, let's share a little bit about that um how was that for you it was amazing um just the rehearsals alone you know we would rehearse eight hour days seven days a week mm -hmm. uh at paisley we would work in that one room in Paisley where the piano was and he'd open up the windows and the birds would be singing while we're learning harmonies. And it was just, it was almost, I've always said that he's been, he's always been so like alien, like he comes from a different planet, different world. Mm. Um, his presence is everything. Just when he walked, when he was walking in the room, we knew he was coming before he even got there. Like that's the type of energy that he gave off. And being on stage with that was amazing. I mean, he, he was prolific at everything he did. He he watched his himself back on video and he perfected every move and every, just everything he did was so beautifully calculated, like, but, but amazing. And we all learned a lot from him. Um, and together the blend was amazing. I mean, 
he knew what he was doing when he put the three of us together because our voices just matched like like a angelic choir I guess you could say um and personality wise we all had different personalities and I was like the middle guy like always you know it was it was a perfect combination he knew what he was doing (laughs) one of my favorite images of you guys together I love that oh miss my John Blackwell yeah this was I um that was an amazing that was an amazing amazing concert. LA the 21 nights in LA oh my god Jeez, that was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, looking back on that. um, So now that we are in a um, pandemic (laughs) and we're hopefully hopefully, um, nearing the end of that. I hope so. um, Hopefully. Mm -hmm. uh, What's in store for Elisa? Well, um, interestingly enough, I did a gig last uh, Saturday night and I, I was never so nervous. I was like, oh my God, do I know how to sing? It's been so long. I had so much fun. Uh, it was a, just a jazz trio and uh, I got to sing all the standards and just enjoy myself. And mm-hmm. I have a show that I'm planning on November 13th and 14th. I'm doing a show at this new really cool cabaret called The Vegas Room. And uh, it's a like a dinner theater type thing where you eat a five course meal and you get a show for $79, which is a pretty good deal because you get live, you get great food and you get an amazing performance. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that November 13th and 14th. So I'm actually getting together with, it's just me and a pianist. So it'll be <clears> intimate. Um, I'm doing some Broadway, some Barbra Streisand. I'm doing some prints. I'm doing, you know, like it's basically called Under the Influence. That's what the show title is. And I'm doing songs and, and artists that have influenced me from the time I was a little girl till till now. So um, that's what the show is. And then after that, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm working with Purple Playground, which is a, a, a really amazing thing uh, that Heidi Vader and Willie uh, put together um, to help kids write songs and record and sing and play instruments and it's a free uh, workshop that we're doing in November and December. We might be doing it every two, uh, two days a weekend every month. Um, they're putting out like a little album. So we're helping them write songs. Shelby and Liv were a part of it last month. Um, and I'm now a board member, which is very cool. And uh, it's just nice to help kids and to inspire them and, and kind of like what Prince taught me when I when he first heard a song that I wrote, I didn't think my song was any good. But when I sat down at the piano and hesitantly played it, he pulled me aside and said, that's a great song. And I was like, he just said my song was great. <laughs> so it, it, it gave me this confidence. And that's kind of nice to do that for these kids. Um, my daughter joined in and she loved it. So now she'll be back. But we're actually thinking of writing a musical, like a Broadway musical. Um, and, and have it, you know, it's kind of under wraps, but uh, we're working on something very special, so. Well, that is exciting and mm-hmm. was wonderful catching up today and hearing your story and sharing your journey with us. Wow, um, I love you, Richard. 
I love you too, Miss Fiorello. You're everything. <laughs> You're everything, <laughs> darling. Everything. I love that, it. With that being said, thank you once again for joining us, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you, Richard. Bye bye. Have a wonderful day. You too, and I won't fall down any more stairs. <laughs> <laughs> bye.